What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to not another Isekai. I am Tyler, and uh, yeah, talking about the current season of anime, all that good stuff. A um, lot of good stuff this week. Um, you know, last week dropped a bunch of shows, but uh, you know that happens, right? That happens. Um, still have a good what is it like 15, 15 shows that we're doing so. A lot of good stuff. Some of it is wrapping up real soon. I think I talked about that last week, but, um, you know, some of it wrapping up very soon. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, we'll talk about the kind of sort of end to some of this stuff, but yeah, so we're, we're right in the meat of it, right in the thick of it. So, uh, yeah, kind of, you know, kind of all the shows right now are reaching that point where, you know, like I said, there's a few shows that are the second core. So, you know, they're, they're wrapping up, <laughs> you know, right there, they're, they're, they're finishing soon, but then all of our actual seasonal stuff that started this week, or this season, um, they're right on, like, episode four, episode five, um, you know, so they're, they're really, like, full steam ahead on whatever they're doing, so, uh, yeah, that's why it's a lot of good stuff, so, first, as always, we got My Hero Academia, season six, episode 18, um, yeah, so this one was kind of what they set up last episode, which was uh, Midoriya being in his own head and sort of talking to all the other uh, previous wielders, right? Um, the only one he couldn't really talk to was All Might, and I'm assuming that's because All Might's still alive. Um, you know, All Might, I think, had like some throwaway line or something about how like he can only catch bits and pieces of their conversation. Um, but yeah, so basically this, this whole episode... I, you know, again, not a whole lot really happened, but we kind of, I mean, first it's just cool to see all the wielders together talking, um, but also it was more so, I think, just to try to understand what the previous wielders were thinking in this whole situation, because the situation is crazy that Midoriya's in with, like, All for One, Shigaraki, um, just crazy stuff. Um, and then also attached to that, what Midoriya is thinking is with everything so we'll, we'll get to that in a second but um so there are some really cool I guess revelations stuff that maybe was said before or whatever but I don't really remember it so it was it was it was pretty big for me um first off we you know All Might was quirkless which I feel like we kind of already knew again if that wasn't confirmed I feel like that's something that I just kind of assumed you know I felt like that was why um you know, he was, he, he was drawn towards Midoriya so much is because he kind of had that that connection to him. Also, I feel like up until this point, I always thought that that's what All for One, or sorry, One for All was, was that it was a really special quirk that was, um, that was passed down to quirkless people. You know, like someone would find a quirkless kid, um, you know, that, that they see potential in or whatever, and then pass it down to him. It really wasn't until recently, like probably last season, right? Was that when, um, yeah, yeah, I think it was last season when Midoriya started to display other types of powers, you know, you know, other quirks, right? When it was like, oh no, actually each, uh, each wielder had their own quirk and that kind of absorbed and got pushed into the one for all, um, which again kind of weird because what's all might's quirk like is like is all might's quirk the strength well no it's not that quirk actually isn't the strength because if it was then you know um 
but 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 that is funny that we've never seen so can every one for all use all the previous quirks or is Midoriya special because I don't think we've ever seen all might use more than one quirk I guess though I guess that's smart because wasn't that their whole thing with Midoriya which was like hey we're gonna train these other quirks in secret because if you start popping up with other quirks they're gonna you know people are gonna be suspicious right um so i guess maybe that was like all might's train of thought too where he was like oh, I'm, I'm not just gonna be like really strong i can fly i guess whatever um so yeah that's that's probably what happened um so yeah so he was quirkless so that one for all kind of became his true quirk that's kind of just you know what it was um which is again because before him everyone else had or you know already already had a quirk uh previously um so now you know kind of kind of a big thing um which again kind of assumed but then i feel like the more recent stuff made us flip and be like oh no this is how it works so now they're like oh no no, no this is how it works <laughs> they're they're flipping it on us again but uh the, the only way to pass on one for all now is to another quirkless um and so you know the you know that was a big deal to the wielders because they're like hey in your in your day and age that is very rare you know like quirkless are kind of becoming endangered in a way where like everyone has quirks now you know that's you know, like the thing where, like 99 percent of people on the planet have a quirk that's why people like midoriya very strange um also makes sense why he was bullied right like again not not that he deserved to be bullied but it makes sense because it's like why, why why doesn't this freak have a quirk you know um so it's like man you know you might be the last person to ever have one for all because you might you might find it literally impossible to find a a, a quirkless human to pass these on to um so that's kind of a lot of pressure right it also just reinforces the whole like shonen main character trope <laughs> where it's like you're the one you know um and then we get further along Midoriya does not want to kill Shigaraki he wants to save him you know so I feel like that was kind of the anchor to the episode um you know because all the wheelers were kind of giving their opinions they were saying you know the you know some of them were like taking responsibility blaming themselves oh we should have done that we should have done this but at the end of the day you know they they asked Midoriya like hey are you willing are you able to kill Shigaraki to end this and that kind of messed Midoriya up and he eventually said no like I don't you know what I saw in, in him that day, you know, it looked like someone that was reaching out for help. And again, you know, that could just be Midoriya, um, you know, misunderstanding, misinterpreting Shigaraki's feelings, you know, his, his unspoken, you know, energy that he was putting out that day, that moment. But, um, you know, again, it's, 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 it's the whole main character syndrome, right? Where like, you kind of want to help everybody. Um, so, and again, you know, I was totally waiting for him to say that. And then <laughs> the other wielders be like, you're insane. But no, they, they were just kind of like, damn, like, he's the one, you know, like, like, like for him, you know, like the, the easier option, quote unquote, would be to just kill Shigaraki. Not that it's easy to kill him because he's really powerful, especially now with all the Nomu stuff. But it'd be very easy to be like, oh, he's a bad guy. We're going to kill him. World will be better off. But for Midoriya to take the hard route and be like, no, I want to save him. You know, I want to I, I want to make him understand. I want him to be who he really wants to be. He doesn't want to be a villain. Come on, we know he doesn't want to be a villain. Um, yeah. And then, um, 
Let's see. And then we finally get the whole press conference thing that was inevitable. Uh, you know, Endeavor doesn't have all the answers, which hurts the public. Um, my, you know, my whole thing with this is I don't know what they expected. And I feel like the one reporter kind of understood that she was being irrational, you know, because, you know, because they were basically, you know, they didn't really say this, but what they said was, what do you expect us to do? And then the reporter kind of went off and was like, you're heroes, you're supposed to take care of all the villains, you're supposed to take them out, you know, you're supposed to protect us, you know, and, and all that stuff. And she kind of faltered, you know, because I interpreted that as her realizing she was being irrational, where it's like, we tried that. Like, do you really think we went out there that day and we just gave it like, I don't know, like 60%? We're just like, eh, you know, we're, we're fine, whatever. Like, no, like we, like, do you know how many heroes are in the hospital right now? with pretty pretty severe injuries like i was like me endeavor i was fighting for my life <laughs> you know like and you're all gonna sit there and then you guys are gonna say that and then you guys are gonna go out and get these like weapons these little enhancements or whatever and now you're like oh forget heroes it's like well which one is it do you want to help do you not want to help you know what i mean it's just like Again, it's, it's very hypocritical. I mean, we've kind of... I think like we talked about this before, but... You know, I, I don't necessarily blame non-heroes, especially people without quirks. Because it's like, you know, that's, that's, that's all they've known. You know, um... That's all they've known is heroes helping them, saving them, protecting them. And so when they can't do it, it's like, well, what's going on? Or why? You know, what... what you, you guys failed, right? Um... I don't know, you know, I just don't think that's fair because we know, like, we were there <laughs> and we saw how much they were they were fighting, you know, how much they were literally willing to put their lives on the line. How many people died? Like, 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 like the thing, too, where I don't know if that's really come out, if that's public knowledge, how many people died, how many heroes died trying to stop them, you know? Um, and again, you know, they were, they were upset because they were like, oh, you know, how do you expect us to you know, evacuate without a plan, and, like, at that point, <laughs> like, they would never say it, but I, I would just want the heroes to be, like, listen, <laughs> if you want our help, follow what we're saying, if you don't want our help, then fine, do whatever you want and die, you know, like, what do you, like, you can't, you can't in one breath say that we're supposed to be the ones that are taking care of this, and then we say, okay, here's the plan. And you say, I don't like that plan. It's just like, what do you, what do you want? <laughs> what do you, you want to just snap our fingers and every villain on earth to, to, to die, <laughs> to take their last breath? It's like, man, can't do that. Also, heroes aren't really supposed to be about killing. So, you know, it's a very, it's, it's very delicate. And, uh, you know, again, I get it. The public, they're very scared, right? Very scared, but it's just like, for you to think that the heroes aren't doing everything they can be doing is just like, I don't know, like, like sit down somewhere, you know? Um, and then the end, the end, which is kind of cool. I kind of liked this. Um, you know, I don't know where they're going to go with it. I don't know if they're going to actually make it compelling. Um, but Midoriya wrote letters to everyone sort of explaining his powers. Um, you know, I don't think he went like super in depth, but he did, you know, say that, oh, you know, these were powers given to me by All Might. Um, and then he bid them farewell. You know, we have, uh, 
what's the <laughs> what's the what's the pink girl's name the one who can like float gravity i don't know her name um she was kind of doing some voiceover and she said like that you know next semester or whatever midori left you know he wasn't there anymore for you know for you know for our next semester at, at ua and uh you know then we cut to midoriya kind of standing on top of a building with rubble or whatever he puts on his mask and then he says he says something like like big villain or so, something like that um i don't know but again it, it, it was cool you know the whole just like scenery like him being like oh he's kind of on his own what is he doing um some like you know kind of remind me of, like batman right um but yeah that's you know my hero getting very dark for you know, this season i would say the whole first half of the season again with them kind of going off the villains going crazy killing a bunch of people they're like big plan and then even now with like the recovery period you know like recovery i say that but then there was like seven prisons that got jailbroken many heroes are very very hurt although i do like the little montage with a lot of the heroes kind of like wrapping up their arms and them being bandaged but like you can see it in their eyes like they're ready like we are not gonna just sit here and do nothing um so yeah again you know it was a good episode um again i like the whole wielder stuff so we get a little more of an idea as to what midori is thinking um and then the end with um the heroes are still kind of walking on eggshells it feels like but you know i feel like the heroes are kind of brewing something up you know again we're nearing the end i said there's about seven episodes left um so still a lot of time to tell the story but i'm very interested to see what their plan is um because you know i don't think i don't think the season will end without one big like confrontation right uh but yeah next we got some blue lock episode 17 um this was in the beginning a very frustrating episode to watch but i like how it evolved and the way that isagi was like all right this is you you want to play that way all right we, we we can play that way and the match does not conclude in this episode so next episode is going to be crazy um so the very beginning like i said very frustrating baru still refuses to pass the ball um he says that he would rather die than change his court principles which is like i don't know like so here's the thing technically they're on the same level right baru isigi they're in the same team on the same place you know uh they both lost their one match they had to crawl back up now they're on a 3v3 again so in that sense with like wins and losses they're essentially on the same playing field right so you know i don't think isigi can really talk down to baru or vice versa but I think the issue is, you know, especially what well, the issue we're having with Baru is like, your way hasn't worked up until this point, you know, like your way worked on a team because, um, because you had 10 other people around you that could do stuff, you know, whether you wanted it or not, you had other people that could back you up when you're on a team this small, you know? only three people it's like if you're not passing no, i mean the issue isn't only passing 
like first of all yes you should be passing there's three people like like that's the whole thing we learned this in aoashi which is another amazing sports uh soccer anime which is like a a, a triangle is like the perfect formation for running up the field right um if you have a really strong triangle of people unstoppable right so that's essentially what it is it's triangle versus triangle three v three but like if you're not passing then we never have to mark the other two people because we know if you get the ball we're just going to double team you triple team you even you know and that's what they've been doing up until this point which is like oh he's not going to pass all right we're going to have Rayo and kunigami on him and every single time we've slipped the ball out from under his feet you know she's like oh i lost it again it's like yes <laughs> yes because you don't pass so everyone knows exactly what you're gonna do like as as strong of a scorer as he can be he's a very one-trick pony so again if you get the ball we're just gonna double team you and we know that you're going for a certain zone we know like you don't really have many tricks um you know as a one-trick pony has <laughs> um so it's just so frustrating, especially with that conversation where it's like, you know, you're just waiting for that anime moment to happen where the main character finally gets it through to the, you know, to this stubborn other character. And Bar was like, fine, fine. We'll for one time, we'll do it your way. You know, like some sense gets knocked into him, but he just refuses. He's a brick wall. Again, like he would rather die than change his core principles. It's just like, you don't want like your way not only up to this point right because like i said technically they're on the same level you know so you can't say that isagi's just been taking dubs and bar has been taking l's because it's not true because if that was true they wouldn't be on the same team you know isagi would be way past him he would already be out of this selection right so the second selection um but if we're just looking at this match it's like first of all i beat you in a 2v2 you know what i mean it's okay you know you can blame uh, the other dude, Naru, right? You can blame him. Sure, whatever. Even though you lost to me. Sure, let, let's... For a second, let's just blame him. But we're on the same team now. And as you can see, as, you know, however long this game, this match has been going, um, you haven't scored once. You haven't scored once. Every time you get the ball, it gets stolen from you. It's like, there's literally nothing we can do. If you have the ball, there's nothing we can do to drag the double team away from you because you don't pass <laughs> that's that's the whole reason why a defender is wary about the people around him because he's like oh at any point this man could pass to someone else i should try to intercept it or block his vision but no one has to do that with you because you don't pass the ball <laughs> so as soon as you get it they're just going to get double teamed and you're going to get the ball stolen because you're not that nice you know i mean even bakura who's a master dribbler isn't going to always win a double team he could probably sometimes you know um but so yeah very, very frustrating start to the episode um and then on top of that we look at the other team reo kunigami and shigiri and it's like they you know you know what is the one play uh you know Yunisugi calls it a, a perfectly balanced trifusion which is like they know each other's weapons so well and they all mesh so well together it's like if we keep playing like this, we're not going to win. Um, so it's essentially a 3v2. A 3v2.5 right now. We can't win that. Um, 
And then Isuki finally has a revelation. He's like, I have to devour Baru's play, which is so cool. And then it like hit like the, the like halfway point, the commercial break in the episode. It's so cool because it, it it's the perfect plan, right? So what he means by that and what he essentially does is that he's not going to cause... He's, he, he's not going to force Baru to change his style of play. He's like, all right, Baru, that's how you want to play? Play that way. Go ahead. Play that way. I'm going to play around you, you know? And so that's what he does. Izugi passes it to Nagi. Then everyone's focusing on Nagi, right? So first off, he used Baru to pass to Nagi, right? He ran towards Baru. Baru was always doing his thing. So everyone's like, oh, clearly this is the link. Passes to Nagi, right? Gets that through. They see that. Everyone's focused on Nagi. Kunigami is still marking Baru because Baru's close to him. So he's like, I, you know, just in case, right? That leaves Isugi free and wide open. He can do whatever he wants. And he scores, right? And that, first of all, gets to their team because they're like, man, he, you know, this whole thing, Isugi concocted this whole play right here so he can score. Crazy. And secondly, um, that, that really got Baru because everyone on the field, including him, realized what just happened. Baru was used as a decoy. Baru didn't like that. He didn't like that. Not only did he not like that, he didn't like that that um, that his role of a decoy in that play caused their team to score. Because now it's like, well, if they can do that, then they don't need me. I'm never going to score again. And then Isagi, you know, go, you know, ramps it up a notch. You know, he tells him to not get in his way anymore. Don't don't get in our way. You know, we're we're, we're going to win this without you. Calls him a donkey. And that, that, that just breaks Baru. Like, he's very upset. Um, you know, he, he, you think he would see sense. He doesn't. We keep ramping up. Isagi is basically counting on Baru to play the way Baru does because it's predictable. So, you know, Baru gets mad. He tries to steal the ball from Kunigami. He gets the ball, gets it stolen. But Isagi is right there to, you know, to pick up the loose ball. You know, and so it's like... Isagi is really... <clears throat> Sorry, Baru is really seeing that his play, like his teammates, are not counting on him to score anymore. They're they're counting on him to mess up. Like Isagi and Nagi want Baru to mess up. You know. They they're literally using him. You know, they're the opposite of what Baru has done to everyone else. Which is use everyone pass to me. You're the decoy. I'm gonna score. You know, um, because again, you you couldn't really do that on a regular eleven on eleven because there's, there's there's way too many players. Like, even if we know, because we all kind of knew that Bar was the king, right? But you didn't really know too much then either, because again, the, that that was my, that was the first selection, so you didn't really face Bar all that much. But like you still couldn't like double team triple team baru every play because it's like well there's other players like what if he does pass <laughs> you know like if he does pass we're screwed because they're gonna have an open shot but now it's like we it's so clever like okay baru play the way you play we're gonna use that to our advantage we're you're never gonna touch the ball and if you do touch the ball you're gonna get it stolen and then we're gonna be there to pick up your mess um and at the very end Chiguri has a new top speed dribble, right? He learned because this whole thing was he's really fast, but when he gets the ball, he slows down because, you know, it's yeah, he has the ball, right? 
Um, so he, he, he found a way to dribble the ball while keeping at his top speed. He scored. It's now 4-3. Um, it's, not, it's not looking good. It's not looking great. It is looking very competitive. It's a very good match so far. But you don't want to be... You always want to be the first team to get to reach four, <laughs> you know, because, you know, if you score five, you win. So um, now it's not looking great. Um, again, my predictions are ECG teams are going to win. Like, I, I can't imagine they don't win because, you know, I don't think that EC is going to be carried to the end of the selection. Because, again, if they win or lose, if, if, if Rayo, Kunigami, and Shigeru's team wins, are they going to pick Isagi? I don't know. I mean, you know, I feel like after seeing what's happening now, with how crazy Isagi's going, it might be a lot closer. They might be like, oh, shoot, like, we, we, we would definitely get take Nagi. But Isagi's kind of cracked, you know, like like a little bit. <laughs> you know, we're definitely not taking Baru. Baru sucks. Also, in this match, he hasn't scored once. He's got the ball stolen a few times. It's like, no, he's washed. Um... But again, you know, even if they do take easy, you know, I don't think that easy is going to be carried through this story, you know, through the next, what is it, eight, seven, eight episodes, you know, he, he's not, he's not going to lose, but still reach the next selection just because he got picked, you know, I, I, he, he's definitely going to win. Um, yeah, so we'll see, though, you know, again, this is the perfect opportunity again for us to have a main character anime moment where. The main character does break through the stubborn character and maybe baru does change his ways a little bit again you know i'm not expecting him to do a complete 180 but you know i would like to him be just just a little more open to passing the ball and like sensing danger and like understanding your own abilities he's he's a, he's a really good player but only when he's put in certain situations you know that's not going to happen every time so i feel like he just has to be more self-aware of like oh this is like what I would normally do right now in this instance is not going to work. I need to pass it. Um, you know, you know, I feel like he's going to, you know, I feel like we're going to get some backstory to Baru maybe. You know, even if it's just like a few minutes where like Baru's the way he is because on a team he was always the best. And so everyone always relied on him to score. So he kind of had to become the king, right? You know, he, you know, he didn't really necessarily want to be the king, but he was always kind of thrust in that position. So now, you know, he always just... He's always just in that, you know, he's he, he's used to that position of everyone relying on him and being the support for him. Again, you know, maybe they'll do something like that to kind of, you know, ground him a little bit and not just make him, you know, you know, this dude that thinks he's better than everyone when clearly he's not. Um, so we'll see. Next, we got the Eminence in Shadow, episode 18, the oddest course for an anime to ever go. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, like, th like, this is the anime, I'm, I'm somewhat glad it's over soon, we only have two episodes left, um, because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over it, <laughs> um, you know, it's just like, you know, what I've realized is, especially looking online of other people's, like, discussion of the episodes or whatever, you know, it is supposed to be sort of like, you know, making fun of some different, like, isekai tropes, or like, you know, even just some anime tropes, right? So you're not really supposed to take this show like super seriously, um, like you would take maybe a blue lock, like we just talked about, right? Um, but still, it's just like the moments are so weird. Like maybe I haven't watched enough of these kinds of anime that it is kind of poking fun of to appreciate the humor or the parody or whatever. But it's like there, there are just some moments where it's like, uh, 
okay, you know, like the very beginning where Claire, who's Sid's, you know, sister, haven't seen her in a while. Uh, she's just choking Sid in his in his bed <laughs> um, and told him that that, that she's going to be the champion. It was a very drawn out scene. It was like five minutes. I'm like, why? Why is this happening? Why? Like, what's the point? Like, why? Why are you? Why are you inflicting harm on your sibling? <laughs> why are you so aggressive? You know, um, and then we have kind of another weird moment where Sid and Beatrix, they meet again and they exchange burgers again, kind of a weird dialogue back and forth where Beatrix will say something and Sid will just repeat it, you know, very odd. I, I don't know. Again, you know, I feel like that was maybe making fun of something, but it's just like, you know, again, cause like, you know, sometimes anime does that, right? Where something happens and then someone will just say exactly what happened in other words. And it's like, okay, no, we get it. We were there. We were watching, <laughs> you know, but again, it was just like a weird back and forth. Like just like the words used, like, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like, you haven't seen any elves. No, I haven't seen any elves. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Um, uh, you know, were you, were you ignoring me? No, I wasn't ignoring you, you know, or, or something like that. Again, like it was just like, very purposefully just like call and response rather than oh i don't know how normal people would talk <laughs> and be like hey no i wasn't following you why do you keep asking me what's going on you know um very weird and then uh the match we've all been waiting for not really uh you know sid b and rose as we expected right sid is the all-powerful he'll never lose um cool beater right uh was that the championship i don't think it was right that wasn't the championship that was just like the first round of like the main tournament um you know because up until now it's just been like mostly qualifiers right like we're trying to sh we're trying to shave down the number of combatants to a certain number and then it's like okay now all the matches from here on out are the real ones the ones to watch um at the very end rose has a burger wrapper i'm assuming that is from when sid gave her a burger on the last day that she was seen with anyone like at that you know at the fountain thing um again i don't really know what that means you know you know i feel like there have been many times since then where rose has been wanting to see sid or kind of been thinking about him and being like you know sid would be the only one that would understand you know he'd be the only one that would have my back or whatever so maybe that's a sign that's a very you know uh ham-fisted foreshadowing of like him and she's gonna find Sid next episode. They're gonna talk, um, you know. So, yeah, that's the episode. Again, I'm kind of over it. <laughs> you know, I feel like it's very clear if you guys have been watching any of these the past eight weeks. Because again, you know, I feel like the show peaked in the first ten episodes, and these next, these, these uh, the latter half ten episodes have been just kind of weird. Kind of like, okay, I feel like if you just ended the anime episode ten, I'd be good. But again. You know, if this truly is supposed to be more of like a parody type anime, then maybe I'm maybe I'm just not cultured enough, <laughs> you know, to like understand and appreciate the references and all that. But again, you know, a couple episodes left. I'd be interested to see how it ends. Um, I don't know. I'm assuming there's more manga and stuff to this. So this might be not like the end of the story in general. Um, will Sid finally come out as Lord of as the Eminence and Shadow? Maybe. You know, two episodes left. I don't really know what else there is. I'm assuming we'll, we'll finish this little tournament. And that'll be the end. 
maybe like the end of the tournament is when it'll be like eminence and shadow <laughs> uh but we'll see next we have the angel next door spoils me rotten episode five um yeah this is a pretty cute episode um so we have the return of the mom and the introduction of the dad mom and the dad are coming over to visit soon we have that little scene beforehand though where he kind of sees that and he wants to tell her she falls asleep next to him and again it's just that level of trust that just like weird type of relationship that they have where it's like they're not together but like they kind of are <laughs> you know puts her in the bed only the only real decision that he can make um you know wakes up and she's kind of embarrassed um you know, whatever, right, you know, in, in, like, this very weird situation, uh, but that's basically what this whole show is, is, like, them being really nice to each other, and then acting like a couple, but then getting embarrassed, because they're not a couple, and, you know, whatever, right, um, then the parents come over, they're both, like, teasing him about it, I, again, it's kind of what everyone is doing, you know, everyone that knows, they keep teasing him, and he's just like, no, it's not it, no comment, stop it, <laughs> um, then they dress, which, which is really weird too, because you know she comes and she's like, the mom is just like, oh man, I've always wanted to take my daughter to the, what is it, like the festival or the fireworks or whatever it was. I don't I don't remember. Um, it's just like, man, Myro's not your daughter. <laughs> you know, um, they're not even together. But uh, you know, they dress up, got the kimono. You know, Amane got the uh, the nice little suit thing. Both look really nice. We have a nice moment there where he's like, you look good. You know, she blushes. She whispers to him, you look good too. Um, so again, it's like, listen, boys, we all know where the show is going. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just to see when it actually gets there. You know, when they actually say, all right, I want to be with you, you know, because we're five episodes in, you know, 12 episodes probably. Um, again, you know, a lot of little situations that can happen. We already passed Christmas. You know, so that's, you know, that's not like a prime holiday for, for, for romance, you know. Um, but we'll see, you know. I mean, even, like, the next scene, uh, we have him, like, patting her head, just, like, um, out of nowhere. <laughs> um, she, she enjoys it, right? And then she calls him an idiot. <laughs> you dummy. And then, uh, you know, because, again, it's just, like, a weird scene where it's, like, that's, for one, it's a very anime thing, the whole, like, head pat stuff. Um, but then even then, it's, like, why are you doing that? are you comfortable oh you know well you know you're the only one that i really do this to it's just like come on what are we what are you even talking about at this point you know we all know what's happening here um and then apparently people at school saw them like some people at school saw them holding hands or something um i don't think they saw that it was amine i mean because if it if it was, I feel like they'd be like rushing him, being like, "Where are you with? What's going on?" Oh yeah, because they were they were talking. I was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah." I think it was someone from like another school. So yeah, I don't think they saw him, but they definitely saw clearly it was the angel holding hands with some dude. Um, so yeah, so kind of the rumors are circulating, and that you know that's a bad thing. Um, you know, they kind of talk like, "Oh, you know, we should have him die down." You know, blah blah blah. And it's like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense, whatever," because we're not together, so I don't want to cause any. Um, you know, just some unnecessary trouble for either of us, right? Um, you know, some unnecessary headaches. Um, and then Mahiru 
gives Amine a bunch of compliments, gets very embarrassed about it afterwards. Um, but, you know, because, you know, you know, Amine's like, well, you know, you, you know, I don't really think you would, you'd be with someone like me anyway, so, you know, we should keep it low-key, all that stuff. And she goes off, right? She, she like, defends him from himself. It's like, oh, you're a very decent person, you're thoughtful, you know, whatever, right? You know, I forget exactly what she said. But, uh, you know, and then she immediately gets very embarrassed that she just said all those things. Um, you know, because, again, we know where the show is going. <laughs> it's very clear. But, you know, we're we're kind of in, in that, like, eternal back and forth where it's like, you know, they keep doing nice things for each other. Uh, very, like, couple things with each other. But they just refuse. <laughs> I don't know. They just refuse to be to just like understand and like accept what you know their feelings i guess because like do you think it's one of those situations where they don't know if the other person would really like them because that is a lot of romance anime right where it's like oh i really like him i really like her but ah, they probably don't like me back do, do you think that's what's happening here do we truly think that amine doesn't think that Mahiru likes him back. What about vice versa? I mean, I definitely think that Amine is more down on himself about the situation. Um, you know, just kind of the their roles, where it is like, oh, the angel, she's an angel, and I'm just a dude. You know, that is kind of like the, the on the outside, what their roles are. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, but yeah, again, good episode. Like like I said, this is one of those shows where I just enjoy every episode. It's always good to see what situations they put each other in, um, and how they continue to refuse to be a couple. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, prediction for next episode. I don't really know. Um, it's hard to predict an episode like this, like just like a slice of life show. Um, yeah, I don't know. Next, we got the Ice Guy and his cool female colleague, episode 5. Um, yeah, again, very similar, you know. You know, I like that I do these up these shows back-to-back. Because -back. <laughs> Angel Next Door and Ice Guy, two very similar. Very similar, like, atmospheres, I'll say. Um, so we have Himuru buying certain items to earn points. Right, classic, uh, like, uh, you know, reward points type thing. You cash them in for a prize. Um, he's trying to earn the, uh, the George the Kitten plate set, and he's, he's very clearly trying to earn it for, uh, for Fuyutsuki, um, because, you know, I'm, again, I'm not saying he doesn't like George the Kitten, but it's definitely her thing, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we do have a nice little, uh, like, two-way storytelling here because we have Humaru and Fuyutsuki doing something but then at the same time the episode kind of more focuses more on uh Saejima and Komori um you know they're they're doing a very similar thing so on their end uh we're building up their kind of relationship with each other a little bit again they're not together but the more I look at it, especially this episode it's like I could definitely see them together you know um, so we have Sajima thinks that Komori's ears and tail are cute. Um, he's like, oh man, you know, why don't, you know, why do you always hide them? You know, why don't you leave them out more often? And, you know, she 
you know, she gives a very like tongue in cheek answer, you know, the very classic answer of like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm gonna give you a non answer because I want to see what you know what you say to it. Um, he's like, no, I, th- I, I think they're cute. Just keep them out, you know. Um, and then we're going back to the main thing. Fuyutsuki's morning routine is very different than than Komori's. Um, so we have Fuyutsuki, very planned, very, very delicate, very just like everything has its place, right? And then we have Komori waking up late, makeup's not going the way she wants, her clothes aren't dry. <laughs> um, you know, she's on the train and she's like squished with every with all the people. Um, coming in not late but she's exhausted and it's just like you know it's fun to see the whole dichotomy you know them kind of showing off again just kind of giving each character their own personality which i think is very important especially in these more like slice of life type shows you know where you know something with like uh i don't know more of like well you know you know i guess Personalities are important in every type of anime for the most part, but I would say they're super important in A Slice of Life because in Slice of Life, all we have is the characters. You know, again, there is some romance in here, obviously. There's some comedic moments here and there, but in its essence, I would say this is more of like a, a, a Slice of Life, a very close second being romance. And so, you know, we, we, we need to care about these characters very deeply. Um, and, and, and we also need to like recognize them when they're on screen i'd be like oh yeah who's that again you know because if, if that's the case and that means that the the writing isn't doing a good enough job of making us you know, like making these characters stick in our minds you know if, it, if it's not himuro fuyutsuki i don't care it's like if that was the case one it has to be a very different anime or two it'd be a bad anime <laughs> um so yeah making them stick i, I like that uh Sajima was helping komori finish the set very clearly right every time every, every day be a new one um it was funny that komori didn't know this <laughs> it's like you know them talking about it and then like who else would it be you know fuyutsuki no she's got her own thing himaru ah, i don't think you'd really do that clearly this guy um and then he said you know she was like well you know why were you helping me she's like oh it, it's out of love and then she starts blushing and it's like dot 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 for foxes <laughs> out of love for foxes um you know and that is kind of one of Sajima's like character ticks, which he will say something and then wait you know wait a beat and then like finish a sentence you know that was kind of how he said uh with like thinking that uh the the ears and tails are cute you know it's kind of what he did with that too um it's just like his weird like speech thing that's attached to his character and uh you know again very clearly he he likes her and i think she does kind of like him back you know i think it's uh more on sajima's side right now but uh you know it's just again a very you know nice little cute thing that they did together um hopefully we get to see more of them together doing doing activities um and also on top of that the whole fox thing is great because one um you know he was like oh i'm doing it because of the new set or whatever but it's like oh there actually is a new set with a fox here we go let's let's do this let's do this together too you know now we can do it more in the open um but yeah and then Fuyutsuki gave Himuru her points and then he gave her one of the plates right so you know because Himuru was like stressing <laughs> he was freaking out because he was like oh no I did the calculations wrong with, with with this trajectory I'm not gonna earn enough points during the plates 
And then, um, you know, so he's freaking out. Because, again, he's very clearly doing it for Fuyutsuki. You know, you know he wants to give these to Fuyutsuki. He has, like, a nice gesture, all that stuff, right? And, uh, you know, so it's it's very cool when Fuyutsuki sees, like, over his shoulder. Oh, he's collecting points. I'm collecting points, too. Let's give him the points. So he collects the points. And then uh, he gives him one of the plates. And now they have kind of matching plates. Very nice. Very nice. Again, just, like, just another moment that they were able to brew up between these two adults that clearly love each other um again they're not really together per se but you know um and the very end we have something a little weird you know i really do hope they go more into this because i feel like these are two characters that we know the least about and that we care the least about we have uh we have kateri tells Otanashi that he loves her every day, right? So we have a nice little backstory here where they've known each other for a while. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, well, if you tell her every day, that kind of loses the meaning, you know? Um, and also we have some more stuff where it's like, oh, no, you know, Otanashi's a very strong person, but she can still get emotional. And, you know, like, she does have his back. Like, they're there for each other. So, um, you know, it is that kind of relationship. So, you know, we'll we'll see exactly where that goes, you know, um, I wouldn't say she's like a, like a tsundere, but like, sort of like, almost on that path, kind of, and then he's more of just like, confessing love every day, and it's just like, alright dog, <laughs> you know, this, this doesn't mean anything at this point, so, you know, but yeah, again, you know, I, I didn't really care about the last part of the episode because of those two characters, but again, because we don't really know them that well, like, we've, we've seen Kateri, like, once before this, really, and, and then we have, uh, you know, we have Otanashi, which I didn't even recognize her character, I was like, is this the first time we're seeing her? Um, you know, so I do hope maybe next episode or so, you know, we do see more of them together, um, you know, kind of maybe in the group, you know, because I feel like Himaru, Fuyutsuki, Saijima, and Komori are very clearly, like, a group, and then we have these other two characters that are, you know, we don't know them too well, so I had to see more of them, and, like, care about their you know, version of, of romance, you know, uh, but yeah, awesome stuff, love the show again, again, it's another, like, kind of slice of lifey, romancy show that's just fun to watch. Next, we have the magical revolution of the reincarnated princess and the genius young lady, episode five. Um, yeah, good episode. <laughs> uh, no, but, um, you know, we have we have some action this episode, which is which is fun to see. Um, you know, especially after the introduction of of um, of Annis. Um, you know, with her being like, "Oh, she's the Phantom Warrior, or whatever." What, what was she called <laughs> in, the, in the first episode? Uh, she she was called something like that. I was like, "Oh, that's cool. That's cool." Um, so we do have some action here. So Annis drops in and kills some monsters. That comes out of nowhere, right? It's like, "Oh, Annis is here. The Phantom. I'm just called the Phantom Warrior. I don't remember what she was called, but." Phantom Warrior sounds cool. Um, it's called, thank God she's here. She's going to help us out. She's incredible. Um, so we're fighting, we're fighting, doing stuff. Annis gets knocked out of the sky, and Yuffie dove and caught her. So that was a big moment because, um, you know, we've never really seen Annis fail with fighting. Again, we haven't seen her too much, but we do kind of know her reputation, right? And I was like, oh, you know, like other people groups that are fighting or a village or whatever so again like we're really based this on the first episode but like you know they were they were super happy that she was there to help you know 
and then even uh, last episode with the you know Yuffie uh you know being told <laughs> that oh this is what this is you know she was surprised she's like oh how are you a gold rank adventurer <laughs> so again like there you know there are there is evidence to show us that Annis is pretty talented, pretty skilled. She can hold her own. So then for this to happen, again, no shame. It, you know, it, you know, it was a dragon. <laughs> but like, you know, for her to get knocked out of the sky, it's like, danger. <laughs> oh no. Um, and then for Yuffie to go all out on her end, you know, go crazy, dive, catch her. And just, you know, them, you know, them kind of have this back and forth where Yuffie is, um... She, you know, she does worry, right? She is worried about Annis' safety, her health and safety, you know, like, you can't be jumping into danger like this, you know, but they do have a thing where it's like, no, but we have to do this, we can do this together, you know, it's like, oh, it's such a good moment because, you know, they clearly want to spend time with each other, you know, you know, they want to go through this, you know, maybe even life together, right? And so for them to worry about each other, it makes complete sense, but it's like, this is what I do, you know, again, not really in the sense of like, get used to it or get get to step in <laughs> you know it's not really like that but it is like why don't we do this together you know like we both want to and it's true it's true you know doing the whole research you know Yuffie being the way she is I think it's because it's just how she grew up um and and it's the same way right where it's like Yuffie grew up grew, you know grew up being this very delicate you know uh road to being royalty right the queen whatever and then Annis kind of doing the opposite and be like I don't want that I just want to go out and adventure do my studies magicology all that stuff you know so you know it takes a little more to get Yuffie on the side but Yuffie also trusts Annis and wants to help her any way she can um and you know it's a little bit exciting on her end too because she's never really done anything like this before so again you know a nice a nice dynamic between the two characters um they're gonna kill the dragon together I already said that yeah so they're like all right divided you know apes <laughs> apes together strong <laughs> right so now there's two of them crazy um they're able to cut off its wing dragon falling to the earth it's like ooh, yes ooh, we got you you you're not missing a wing my friend you know how hard it is to fly without one wing i would say difficult i don't know from first-hand experience but i would say pretty difficult i would say the equivalent of walking with one leg <laughs> maybe doable probably probably almost impossible um i guess at that point you're not really walking right you're just kind of hopping um it's probably way more difficult to fly that one wing not like i i imagine you both wings to fly <laughs> um and then uh you know they're in this very precarious predicament because the dragon's not dead or anything um you know the dragon's obviously very mad gonna go off on some crazy uh you know crazy attacks whatever and, you know, Annis is like, hey, you know, because Yuffie, like, talks about, you know, maybe dodging it and then going around, you know, fighting this thing, whatever. And Annis is like, no, we can't, we can't just dodge their next attack. If we do, this whole area will be destroyed. And there's, there's innocent civilians here, you know, like, we can't, if there's something we can do, we have to try it. And so they do. Um, we have a great moment where, you know, Annis is like, the impossible was made to be possible or something to that effect. Um, you know, because they're like cutting through this, like, crazy wave of energy um cutting through like the dragon's life force <laughs> basically um just great with them them together doing it then putting their powers combined um it's it's, it's it's incredible and um 
yeah, they, they destroy the dragon, they kill the dragon. The dragon curses Annas with like, I forget exactly what he said, but it was something like, he's basically cursing her with all of his knowledge and memories and like life, basically. Um, again, I don't really know exactly what that means. I wonder if that will actually come back at some point in the show. Um, or if it is just like a cool moment that we just kind of forget about, <laughs> you know, or if there is legitimately like a curse on her and like, you know, that's going to be maybe the driving force between some of the like more serious, more like, um, like imminent, uh, you know, kind of story beats rather than them just kind of like having fun, you know, prancing around the castle, doing their magicology stuff, right? More like a, you know, more of a like a like dire situation type thing, um, and then uh, they're they're inseparable, right? That's kind of how we get at the end. They're inseparable. They're gonna be together forever. Um, you know, I wanna, I want you to keep keep me along this journey. And then she's like, I want you to allow me to keep you on this journey. <laughs> you know, some some kind of corny like that, but it's cool, man. You know, it's cool because it just reinforces that they are in this together, and uh, we're definitely gonna see more of them. You know, they kind of understand, um, you know, what their relationship is and what they're going to be doing. So, excited for next episode. We'll see if the dragon thing kind of comes around at all. Um, I'm sure we'll see some aftermath of, was it Algard, the brother, um, not getting a piece of any of this. Uh, the king, the father, probably being upset with Annis. Um, maybe even upset with Yuffie, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then also maybe reaping the rewards of their journey of this whole magicite stuff. Um, you know, what, what what new invention does that bring? What new advancement is, you know, Xana's going to develop with it? So, yeah. Next, we have possibly my favorite episode of the season. Uh, very close. Very, very close. I would say if it's not a, a number one, it's got to be number two. Uh, we have Buddy Daddies. Daddy's episode five. Uh, yeah, I just I just love the show. You know, it's just, it's just a good time. The characters are really strong. You know, the, you know this like three character prong that we have. Um, yeah, so opens up and they're going broke <laughs> because they're not really taking uh, you know any jobs for the most part. And also we have Miri now, so now Miri is like a whole another expense, right? Um, we have Kazuki and Ray are straining themselves to work on new missions. Right, so now they're accepting new missions from uh, Q, but it's like, it's tough because they're, it's, it's very strenuous on them physically and mentally because they also have to take care of Miri, right? Um, you know, kind of focus on that. We can only do it at certain times of the day, certain times of the night. Um, you know, we're trying to get enough in so that we can financially support all of us. So it's, it's tough. It's tough. You know, even, even with daycare, it's like we still have to, like, we still have responsibilities, um, so, you know, it's putting a little bit of a strain on the family, you know, not enough to be, like, in danger, like, that's not the type of anime this is, but, you know, you know, enough for, for like, them to worry about each other, you know, and get, like, a little on edge. Um, so we have Koski leaving, and Miri follows Koski, okay, Koski's working on, like, a mission or whatever, right? Um, but a dog makes her lose focus. So classic, classic, like, little kid. <laughs> thing where it's like ooh a dog <laughs> you know um so she lost and now she's lost the worst possible thing that could happen um 
Mary runs into that scary guy, which we've seen before, uh, like episode one or episode two, I think. We saw that like scary guy, which I feel like has to come back at some point. Like he is somebody, right? Because we saw him coming in after Koski and Ray the one time, um, also like accepting a mission or something, or be like, oh, I'm in, I'm in town, right? And now we see him here, Mary bumping into him, being very stoic, um, all that stuff. Um, and then we later on see Koski and Ray, who finally find Miri, but they're with Q at the cafe. And so that's a whole new level of danger because we can't have Q knowing that they have like a kid. <laughs> I mean, definitely not that we have a kid. And also this is the kid that was the daughter of the dad that we killed on the mission. <laughs> you know, um, can't have that, right? That'll, that'll cause so many problems. Um, then Q offers to watch Miri while they finish the jobs. Yeah, because he's like, clearly you guys are behind. Let me watch the kid while you finish up, um, you know, the, the little missions that I have for you that way that doesn't interfere with your work. Um, you're happy. I'm happy. All that stuff. Right. Um, again, it, it was kind of funny to me because, you know, Koski was just like over worrying where he's like, oh no you know her you know mirror being with q is not a good thing and then him even going like crazy routes of like <laughs> q and miri getting married <laughs> just like she's like she's like four <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about and also like the weird scenario where miri would like q more than you and ray like i just don't see that ever happening um you know but it, you know it is nice to see him worrying right because it is like oh man that is how a real parent would worry um so uh, Q made her a drink, which is the best thing she's ever drank. It was awesome. Again, you know, just like one of those cute moments, right? Where it's just like, oh my god, <laughs> you know, it's incredible. Um, you know, and again, it is nice to see another side of Q, right? Because up until this point, you know, mainly because of Koski, has painted Q as this, this very hard, very, um, just like all business, um, somewhat cruel maybe um you know character and then we see him with miri and he's like just like a normal cool laid-back dude right um he made up a lie that koski is a stand-up comedian a terrible one and that ray is a middle eastern oil baron i don't know just to mess with them i guess because he knows that miri will go back and like <laughs> talk to them about it i just think that's funny um Miri tells Q that she loves them very much, uh, you know, which is nice. Again, you know, it, it is something, you know, we'll see this a little later in just a moment, actually. But, um, you know, one, it just kind of goes to show how much Miri really does love them, right? Like, he, like she really has accepted them as her dads. Um, on top of that, for, for now Q to know that and Q to be like, you know, again, we already know that Q figured out what's going on very quickly but aside from that um you know for him to know that at least to miri this is real right like she you know you know because even asked some questions like oh you know wouldn't you rather you know wouldn't you want to go home you know are you you know uh you know something about like paying out with strangers rather than your, your, your family, whatever, right? Like, you know, a couple leading questions like that. And she's like, no, I'm good. Whatever. You know, 
and you know that's what she says like oh you know i love them so much and like she makes like a big circle motion with her arms <laughs> you know which is very you know which is a very like kid thing to do i love them this much you know you know but but just nice because again you know that again it shows q that this is real right uh, because then after that um well i guess first we we you know we go to miri's presentation which was very nice um talks about how much they like the food playing video games um actually tells <laughs> she mentions that koski is a stand-up comedian and that ray is an oil baron which is kind of strings along this bit with all the little daycare moms because at first you know you know he showed up in like the very nice clothing and they're like oh man they're you know are they rich blah blah, blah. you know they're like "Ooh, we're like single moms trying to and then um and then now we have this thing like an, an oil baron <laughs> oh man are they rich <laughs> you know so again it's just it's a very like dumb bit that they do but i like it um and um but yeah, and then we go back to what I wanted to talk about, which is the whole Q thing. And, you know, they say, hey, you know, if, if Miri endangers the jobs, action will be taken. They're not going to kill the kid or anything crazy like that. But, you know, it's like, you have a job, you know, like I give you jobs and you have to do them, you know, to a certain level. And so if Miri is stopping you from doing that, she's not your kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, you know, it's kind of like the whole bad cop. The good cop in him is like, you know, he sees how much Miri loves them. He can clearly see how much they care for Miri. It's like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe she can change you for the better. You know, you know, maybe this is a good thing. You know, maybe you guys are what's best for each other. Um, but, again, good cop, bad cop, and now just like, real cop. <laughs> this is a dangerous job. I don't need to tell you guys that. She will be in danger. Are you prepared to put her in danger? Are you prepared for what that could be? And I think maybe kind of insinuating that something bad could happen to her, right? And, you know, you, you know, it is very serious, right? But it's just like, that's real, you know? I love that ending because one, now they don't have to hide it from Q anymore. But two, you know, you know, I think it does spell out a lot of what, you know, Koski has already kind of hinted at and... I think us as viewers can just kind of interpret um we're just like we've seen a lot of like cutesy like fun like whatever stuff but i wouldn't be surprised if at some point in this show we see something serious i don't know about like someone kidnapping mary i don't know if the show will ever get there um but you know maybe maybe something a little more serious and it's like ooh, i'm actually we're actually making us feel something right now so we'll see Next, we got Vinland Saga, episode four, season two. Um, yeah, great, great show. This is this is incredible. Um, again, probably de de definitely one of my favorite shows this season. Um, so we have Thorfinn saw something in Snake. He saw like a, a flash of Askeladd. Remember Askeladd from season one? He's a dude who um, kind of destroyed his whole way of life. <laughs> And then Thorfinn's whole motivation for the season was to get strong enough to duel Askeladd and kill him. Um, but again, it's it's funny because up to this point, Thorfinn is very, very muted. Very just like, whatever, nothing matters. Again, he was getting sliced up, wasn't even blinking. And then Snake makes a move. And it reminds him of Askeladd. And then Thorfinn jumps into action, right? He like jumps up, does like a backflip, kicks the dude, whatever. 
And it's cool because, again, Snake knew that something was going to happen. Snake was watching him the whole time and was like, interesting, you know, when he was getting sliced up. And then he did that move on purpose. So it's like, I wonder if we'll see more of that, more of like Snake's interaction with Thorfinn because I, I, I like that. But also just to see the flash of Vasklad was very nostalgic. Um, and also, you know, outwardly, you know, Snake's purpose in doing that was like, see, you want to live. Your body wants to live, you know, because if it didn't, then why did you just fight back, right? If not, you would just let me kill you just now. So there's that. And that's the Thorfinn that we all want to see, right? Like, like we want, because we know, we know Thorfinn was a monster, right? Like he was, he was taking down armies single-handedly, you know, this dude was insane. And for him, I was disappointed to be very muted and just like, oh, whatever, I'm a slave. I'm just going to do what they say, whatever. I'll just, I'll take whatever they give me, you know, it's just like, ah, oh, this isn't you. You know, again, I don't want him to be Anar, um, because to me, that was very much like kid Thorfinn, which was very loud, not spoken, and like whining about everything. And I was like, all right, dog, like, you're not good enough to be complaining about everything. So I don't want him to be like Anar, but you know, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know, because, you know, I don't really know where the show's going. Like, are, like, are they going to escape? <laughs> you know? Is someone going to die? Like, I, you know, I, I really don't know. Um, Pater? Pater. <laughs> Uh, gave Thorfinn medicine and a shirt, which is very nice, right? Kind of keeping him up to up to snuff. Um, you know, so that was cool, right? He's getting bandaged up, got a new shirt, all that stuff. So, you know, Thorfinn's being looked after. Um, Arnheide apparently ran around the farm to alert someone as to what happened to them, which, like, you know, very anime moment with Anar being like, oh, she's an angel, <laughs> you know? But also, again, you know, turns, you know, goes to show maybe, you know, a little bit of characterization to to Arnhide, um, maybe, like, you know, she's a nice person, um, but again, you know, I, I think we'll see more of her at some point, again, she is a slave too, but she doesn't do the same work that, uh, that Anor and Thorfinn do, so, uh, you know, it'd be nice at some point they, they meet up and we get to see more of her and maybe some of her story or something, um, Thorfinn says he was a warrior for, from, from five or six years old, right, so that, that really changes him and Anor's relationship forever, I think, because Anor hates war, right? I mean, more, most importantly, because, uh, you know, soldiers, warriors, destroyed his family, you know, you know, they destroyed his village when he was young, and then destroyed it again when he was older, which then caused the death of his mom and his sister, and then him to be a slave, right? So he, he hates anything even resembling that stuff. Um, so for that, to learn that he was a war, to learn that He's done that since, he's, since such a young age, and to learn that he's killed so many people, he, he he's lost count. He has no idea how many. Um, that that really strikes a nerve with Anar. Um, and we see more of that because we see Anar was choking Thorfinn, I guess. Um, it was a very strange scene because he was he was like choking him, and I'm like, okay, so. This part isn't confusing to me. Like, I understand it, right? He's He hears that from Thorfinn. He's like, he's taking out his frustration, his anger, right? He's, he wants to punish somebody. <laughs> and, you know, anyone with the faintest connection to the tragedies of his life is going to get it. But then, like, because, like, I, I was expecting him to start choking him. And then Thorfinn was going to wake up and be like, what is happening? Maybe fight back a little bit, you know? You know, you know, Anor's pretty big, but 
Thorfinn can fight. Like, Einar can't. You know, Einar doesn't know the first thing about combat, really. Um, so I was expecting that time, but it didn't. And, like, he was choking him. And, like, it didn't really feel like Thorfinn even, <laughs> like, like, recognized that he was being choked out. So, like, you know, I don't know if Einar is just weak or if Thorfinn is just, you know, such a gangster that he was like, I don't even feel it. <laughs> You know, because, like, he was making some choking sounds, but, again, it's, like, I feel like it doesn't take that much to choke someone out, if they're, especially if they're not fighting back. Like, you were choking this man for, like, 90 seconds. Like, you good? Or, like, what, what's what's going on here? It was, it was, very, it was very strange. Um, and then uh, Thorfinn woke up screaming again, right from the same nightmare. We see more of his nightmare this time with him uh, being a kid. And just slashing other people and then he slashes someone and instead of a soldier it turns out it is a, a older woman just like a, a a civilian right and so that really gets him right so we again we've already seen it like in firsthand with season one but we're seeing it more and more like him really being traumatized by this stuff like some true ptsd um so and then uh you know anar asks him do you want to die right do you want to die and, and, and that's not really him offering to kill him, but it is more so because, you know, Thorfinn says a lot of things that just, like, he, his life isn't worth it. You know, not necessarily that he's a bad person. I don't really think that's the route he's going, where it's like, I'm an awful person, I should be dead. It's more so, like, you know, he talked about it last episode, where why do we live, nothing good ever happens from living, especially for me. And so, you know, he's just kind of talking like, oh, I'd rather be dead. You know, the, the longer I live, the more tragedy surrounds me, the, the more sadness, all that stuff. Um, so, yeah. So, and then um, they kind of go to bed, right? You kind of like brush it off, you know, a little bit of making light of it. Like, you know, don't be so arrogant. You're not the one who killed my family. You know, I don't, I don't have a grudge against you, whatever. And so, you know, maybe a little understanding there. Um you know, again, I just, I just really want to know what exactly happened between season one and two. You know, that little time jump that we have, I just really want to know. Um, and then we have a little ending here. There's a person who, like, turns towards the camera. We see her face. <laughs> or his face? Her face? I don't know if it was a guy or a girl. Um, it's like a sting or something there. Um, I don't know who that person is. <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to know who that person is. I mean, it was it was a it was a moment, so I'm sure we'll see them next episode. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so again, still an incredible show. Um, I'm sure we'll see more of that person next episode. Um, maybe we'll see more of Thorfinn and Einar talking next episode. Maybe we'll see more Snake next episode. Um, yeah, because yeah, I mean, right now. It's, it's tough to make predictions because there's no, like, clear path to a, uh, an, an ending, right? It's just like, oh, they're just kind of slaves working on their slave work, right? So it's like, you know, again, it's not like other stories where it's like, oh, they're clearly planning to escape. Not really, you know? They haven't talked about it, at least. So, yeah. Next, we have The Misfit Demon King Academy, The Misfit of Demon King Academy, Season 2, Episode 4. Um, yeah, yeah, we got some trials and um, some more information about the Spirit King. So, 
uh, they start off in there. They're all Anos, right? There's like a spell to make them all Anos that way. They, you know, the game can't be weighted towards one person or another, especially like against him, right? Um, Lay and Misa approach the Hidden Wolf, and the Hidden Wolf is just like, yeah, you can pass. <laughs> I'm not going to give you a trial. Like, oh, okay. Um, easy enough, I guess. Um, Anno swiftly passes the Hidden Wolf trial, because clearly, I guess, the Hidden Wolf, that's who he wanted to give a trial to, was Anos. So he does, and uh, yeah, he just clearly sees the real figure, takes the real figure down, and the Hidden Wolf is like, congratulations, you have passed. And again, it's it's one of those things that seems so anticlimactic, but that's kind of what we've come to expect with this anime and this character, because it's like, he's so OP. Like, like, the fights that he takes on, that would take maybe a whole episode, take about two minutes, because <laughs> he's just that OP. Um, fake Anos, who is the spirit king, um, was going to stab Lei, but Misa got in the way. So yeah, so they're, they're, you know, they approached spirit king, and um, yeah, he was going to take out Lei, because Lei has like seven, uh, what is it, seven sources or whatever, and then Misa's like, no, <laughs> and she gets stabbed, and it's like, well, that's not what I wanted to happen. <laughs> um, so yeah, very very sad stuff there. Uh, she's not dead though, because we do see it at the end. You know, we do see a little bit of her at the end, right? Um, but yeah, that's very sad. Um, Anos destroyed that man at the end. I don't remember his name, but he just destroyed the one dude. And he was like, haha, this is end of the line, Anos. <laughs> and Anos was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um... And the Spirit King, they said the Spirit King is probably Shin, just based on his, like, sword work. So it's like, okay, we're kind of narrowing down, because we kind of forget that that was a mystery in the first season. You know, not really the main plot, but that was something in the back of Anos' mind, you know, ever since that did get brought up to him, where it's like, there's someone out there that's claiming to be the Demon King. But I'm the Demon King, so... That's a lie. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so now I feel like this season is definitely more focusing on that, and I think that's probably where the rest of the season will go, is kind of Spirit King focused. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so like I said earlier, Spirit King took Misa. Most likely didn't kill her because she wouldn't gain anything from killing her. Um, easier to use her as a hostage and, you know, to get Anos to come out and face him, which I don't think Anos is scared, but, you know, that's just classic villain tactics, right? Um, then there's this new sort of thing that's being brought up. I mean not really new because i feel like that's kind of um you know some someone like the the separation at the the at, you know at the academy but there's this reinforcement of the whole pure blood versus mixed blood with the whole demon blood stuff so i'm sure that'll play more of a part as well um and then a, a crazy crazy re uh, reveal at the end the spirit king is really the spirit queen <laughs> yeah it's a it, it's a female crazy stuff <laughs> who would have thought um so again yeah I, that's not really like <laughs> like a reveal like oh my god it's like okay that doesn't really tell me anything about her character but cool cool man cool i guess that'll maybe play a part in something or not um but yeah again cool episode you know again i like the whole trial stuff and then how anos actually gets the trial but then just kind of goes past everything that's his character um, but more importantly i'm very interested in this whole spirit king stuff like who they actually are uh what their purpose is what they're trying to do why they're 
facade as uh as anos basically um all that stuff so yeah that you know i more so like the second half of the episode and where it's ramping up to you know this that's kind of the meat of it right because you know just kind of anos going through day to day doing random stuff it's cool to watch you know but you know i want like more of like a a root to this plot and i think the spirit king is that next don't toil me miss nagatoro season two episode five best show ever made Um, yeah, so, again, this is one of those shows that, you know, this is one of the ones of, you know, it is an adaptation of a manga that I am still currently reading, so I know everything, so, you know, this is one of my, like, comfort shows, where it's just, like, I know the story already, I know everything that happens, it's just cool seeing it animated, um, and even if I, even if it wasn't, like, the show itself is cool, it's a nice little, like, I guess rom-com, technically, right, you know, you know, definitely more calm than rom, but, uh, you know, so yeah, uh, they got caught holding hands by Nagatoro's friends, <laughs> again, that wasn't, that wasn't what was supposed to be happening, <laughs> they just kind of, their hands just kind of met, <laughs> but yeah, so that was, that was funny, um, Nagatoro thinks that she gives Senpai her cold, which she feels really bad about, um, again, just goes to show, you know, another moment of like, oh no, she really cares about him, it's like, oh man, I mean, I guess anyone, like, that kind of sucks. You don't really want to give anyone your cold. But, uh, you know, more more importantly with this, it's like, oh, no. I gave you my cold, and you were taking care of me, and that, now that caused you to be sick. Sad stuff. Uh, no Nagatora taking care of Senpai. Really nice stuff there. Again, she doesn't have to do that, but again, it just goes, more goes to show how much she does care about him, and, uh, you know, how much, like, deep down it's like, oh, no, but, like, I, you know, I want you to be healthy and happy and stuff. Um, big moment. Nakatoro says her name in a very dreamlike state. Um, again, she's he, you know he's kind of between dream and reality. He doesn't really know which is which, and you know he just says, "Thank you, Hayase." And <laughs> the pacing of this bit is very good because he says it, and then she's like, she just freezes. She very calmly kind of scoots her chair back, and she like sets the spoon down in the bowl. She turns to him. <laughs> And then she freaks out. She's like, what? You know? Right? Because, um, again, she loves that he just called her by his first, by, by her first name, right? But very embarrassing because, again, they're not together. That's also not like, you know, I feel like she is sort of constantly trying to fight this, like, image that she has constructed of herself. Um, you know, so for her to, like, fall for Senpai, that's like, that doesn't really align with who she is. Um, or, like, who she's been up until this point, you know, even when they were talking, like, an episode or two ago, where it's like, ooh, you know, Nagatora's not really like you to have, like, a type, you know, where it's, like, kind of insinuating that she doesn't date, right, like, she doesn't really, like, like guys like that, um, or just anyone, right, um, and then, you know, she tries to recover with, like, her real, like, Nagatoro-esque reaction to stuff, where she starts, like, teasing him, and like, oh, what, what'd you say, what'd you say, um, but he's asleep, and then she kind of loses it, and then she talks about how she might kiss him, and she's like, oh, do you, do you want that? Do you, do you do you have any objections, anything to that? Oh, I might, I might do it. <laughs> Don't tempt me. <laughs> um, and then Senpai's mom comes home, and she decides to leave. She catches uh, Nagatora walking at the door. She's like, oh, who are you? It's like, oh, no, I'm just, you know, a friend, taking care of whatever. Oh, do you want to ride home? Nah, that's cool. Um, 
you know, and then like the next day, the mom is like, hey, so who was that girl at your in your room? Was it your girlfriend? She's like, no, 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 it wasn't like that. But, um, you know, so, you know, even something small as that, like the mom sees Nagatoro, it's like, ooh, ooh, that's a moment, right? Again, not a lot happened there, but just the fact that them two met and, you know, spoke to each other. Uh, there's a little bit of, a little bit of feeling there, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, again, this is one where, another show where I feel like we all know where it's going eventually. Um, again, I am, I am ahead, I already know everything that happens, but, um, you know, it, you know, it's just one of those shows, right? We, you know, we, we know that they like each other, obviously. Um, they're just sort of embarrassed about their feelings. They don't really, you know, neither one really knows how to perfectly, you know, display their feelings. Um, and even after all this, they're still not 100% sure if the other one, like, wants to reciprocate, right? Um, but yeah, good stuff. Again, this is one of the comfort shows for me, and it's just, it's just good. You know, them being put in situations, like, the whole thing where it's like, ooh, we're gonna flip the script. Now Nagatoro is gonna take care of Senpai. It's like, ooh. <laughs> so, you know. Um, next... Kubo Won't Let Me Be Invisible, episode four. Again, definitely one of my favorites. You know, I would, I would say probably if I did come up with a top three for this, for this season for me personally, I would say Kubo. Um, what was the other one I was saying? That was very clearly. Oh, yeah. Kubo, Vinland Saga, Buddy Daddies. I'd say that's that's definitely my three of just like good stuff. Um, so... You know, this is definitely the most kind of slice of life anime that I'm watching because it is just like every episode is just like what wacky situations will <laughs> Kubo put Shiraishi in this time. Um, so right now we have Kubo catching Shiraishi and, and Seita transforming. They're doing like little like Power Ranger type stuff. Um, and Kubo, <laughs> Kubo is just like very, very cheeky, just kind of like with the phone, like do it again, do it again. And Seita's like, yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> and Shiraishi's like... How about let's not? <laughs> um, you know, so that was that was funny. Um, Shirashi is wearing mismatched socks. That's like a very thing he's very conscious about because he knows he knows Kubo is gonna tease him for it. Um, but then on the flip, we have her wearing tights. So it's like a big thing, right? Like she, you know, wearing tights today because her socks weren't dry or something, and now she teases him for that. Like he was so concerned about her teasing him for the socks that. She took it up a notch and teased him about something she was wearing. She's like, "Oh, were you were you watching? Were you were you staring at them all day?" And she's like, "No, <laughs> no. Why, why would I do that?" Shiraji <laughs> um, is her guardian angel at the convenience store, right? It's funny because like no one sees him, so like he he can just like give out advice. You know, it's kind of like in like spy movies where the agent in the field has like a like a an, an earpiece. And then there's like a dude in like a van parked in the street, um, you know, like talking to him. Like, oh, do this. Oh, look out. Oh, make sure you, you know, it's kind of how it is there. Um, let's see. And then, uh, you know, they both got stuff from the convenience store. Um, you know, Kubo was going to offer some of the drink, but Shiraishi was like, I'm not playing your game. Okay, you're not gonna have me drink it. It's gonna be like an indirect kiss. We're not. We're not doing that. All right. So he was like, "Nah, I'm good. I got my meat bun." And then she's like, "You have not escaped my trap. <laughs> you you think you've escaped? Nah, I'm going to just 
ask for a bite of your meat bun and I'm just going to take a bite of it. So she did. And so that, you know, that, that kind of flustered him. Right. And then the sad part, the worst thing, probably the worst thing that ever happened in the show in the four episodes we've seen so far, someone like, like bumps into him because again, he's invisible and he drops his meat bun. And then we have a nice like framing thing where it just like, you know, does the whole like black and white thing. It's like a slow zoom out. It's just like, oh no, <laughs> my meat bun. <laughs> I didn't even get a bite of it. Um, and then uh, we have uh, Valentine's Day. Is it Valentine's Day? Right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, because they, they already did Christmas and stuff, right? Uh, so we have Valentine's Day and, uh, you know, Kubo makes him chocolate. And then we get the backstory of Akina. Uh, yeah, yeah, of, of Akina, the older sister, who's like, kind of nervous about Kubo wanting to bake on her own because she's not good <laughs> at cooking or baking. Like, every time she's tried, it's been like, ooh, that's not good. Um, and, like, in the past, she's like, well, whenever she's given out candy before, she's just bought, like, assorted candy from the store and put them in bags and called it a day. Now, now she's going to cook? Oh, no. <laughs> Um, and then she, you realize that she is, is, she has very good reason, right? You think, oh, maybe she's over, you know, over exaggerating or whatever, but it's like, nope, she cooks and it's so bad that the show blurred <laughs> the food and, it, and then they take a, you know, cause then it's like, okay, well it might look bad, but if it tastes good, that's really all that matters, right? Like if it tastes good, whatever. Cause at the end of the day, you know, obviously like top chefs can try to make their food look good, but who cares if food looks good if you taste it and it's incredible it's like i don't care what this looks like um but they taste it and then akina is like please don't give this to anybody <laughs> it's just so funny because it's like i am begging you do not hand this out to somebody especially someone that you care of or that or, or that you 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 care about <laughs> please don't um, you know, and then she gets a little cheeky and she's like, I'm going to make some candy too. I'm going to make cookies. And she's, and you know, Kubo's like, that's what I'm making. She's like, oh really? I didn't, I didn't notice. I didn't know. You know, you know, the very like older sister thing, because clearly Kubo doesn't want to ask her for help. She wants to do it on her own. So then Akina's just like, oh, you know, I'm just going to bake cookies. And you know, if you want to watch, follow along, you know, and I'm not going to stop you. Right. Um, and so they cook. It's great. Kubo's don't really look incredible. They look a little misshapen, but for the most part, they, uh, they, they taste good. They're good. And then, uh, a great moment there where, uh, you know, you know, Kubo eventually, like, wants to thank Akina, and Akina's like, oh, I didn't do anything. And then Kubo turns around, and she's like, no, 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 you don't understand. And then Akina just has the smuggest face. <laughs> the smuggest face you've ever seen. And then Kubo's like, I hate this. <laughs> I hate this relationship we have. <laughs> um, and then we have a nice outro where Shirashi, you know, tastes the cookie finally. And she, he's like, oh, this is good. It's like, hell yeah, you know. Um, so, yeah, again, Kubo, love the show again. I I just love every episode, you know, not knowing what crazy situations are going to be put in, you know, their relationship. It's, it's, it's just pure and wholesome, and I love it. Um, next, we got Trigun Stampede, episode 5. Um, yeah, yeah, so not really a whole lot of stuff here, I feel like. Um, I don't really think a lot of, like, story stuff, you know. To, to me, I, I don't know why, this just felt like a bottle episode, which I'm not I'm not mad at. You know, I'm not saying bottle episodes are inherently bad, 
but that's just me kind of reasoning why I don't have a lot written <laughs> for this one. So uh, there's an ambush at this windmill town. They make a big deal of the windmill. Um, there's an ambush there by this dude, this like really buff dude, kind of remind me of Bane from uh, from Batman comics, right? DC comics. Uh, he's just like a really big dude, cracked out of his mind. Um, and then we have some flashbacks for Vosh, Vosh, <laughs> Vash promised to save this kid named Rollo because he was like sick or something. Um, he's like, oh, I'm gonna get you medicine. Don't worry, I got you. Um, never happened. He was out of time. By the time he got back with any sort of medicine. Rollo was gone, presumably dead, I guess, and, um, you know, that's like a, you know, I, you know, again, I don't want to just breeze past the, that backstory, but, you know, it, you know, it's not really something I super care about, but it was nice, again, you know, adding more to Vash's character about how, like, he's not a bad person, like, he really does want to try and help everyone he possibly can, um, which is good, again, it, it builds to his character, um, and then we learned that Rollo was experimented on by the million the millions knives crew, I guess, and uh, he was turned into this buff Bane dude that we see before us, right? Um, so terrible fate, right? Like in all honesty, probably should have just died. Like that, that's probably what Rollo, Rollo, <laughs> Rollo wishes is that he would just just kill me. I don't want this. Um, so now you know it's crazy because now they're they're fighting. You know they're fighting each other. It's like oh come it came full circle in a very bad way. Um, and then the Undertaker guy, I don't remember his name, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have it written down, so I'm just going to say the Undertaker guy with, like, the cross gun, uh, shot Rollo, right, because, I mean, one, he didn't really know that it was Rollo, he didn't know, like, their connection or anything, um, and two, it seemed like Rollo was going to kill Rash, <laughs> and especially from the outside looking in, it was like, oh, he's in trouble, I'm going to save him, um, so he shot him in the face, Rollo's dead, um, you know, all that stuff, so... Again, not a whole lot happened in the episode, but, you know, I think the point of the episode was to add more to Vash's uh, backstory, add more to what kind of character he is, and then also just just build upon the sadness that's kind of followed him, where it's like he always tries to do the right thing, but it seems like people still get hurt around him. Like, at the end of the day, I think he always comes up good, but, you know, even with the other town, right, where it's like we tried to save that town and then Millions of Knives came and, like, destroyed it, took the plants, you know, it's like damn, you know, like, I'm <laughs> just trying to do the right thing, you know, um, yeah, so that's, that's basically it, still, still a good show, still, still loving it, um, good stuff there, just not anything, like, super remarkable to, to comment on, uh, next we have Kana and the Great Snow Sea, episode four, um, this one's kind of similar to me, um, as, as Trigun, where it's, like, stuff happened, but I feel like it was more, like, set up than, meat right it was more of an appetizer and not the main course so um we do have a very beautiful shot where they're under the snow sea and they're kind of almost like floating you know we see a bunch of like under light underwater wildlife very beautiful right um i just love that because the snow sea is kind of known as this thing that's enveloping everything and it's destroying and it's you know causing them to have to have uh, not a lot of space to live, to build towns and stuff, but then you look under and it's like, it's so beautiful. Like nature, man. <laughs> so that's what nature does to you. Um, then we have uh, Valgians. I think I spelled that wrong. Valgians took Riria, right? 
and then the the Atlans, I think they're called Atlians, uh, saved Kana, right? So uh, unfortunately, Riria is taken. Uh, she's trapped, right? They have her like you know like a prison cell or something, which makes sense, right? She is the princess. She is a very very valuable bargaining chip. Um, but they were able to save Kana, and even Riria was like, "Save Kana, get him, get get him back, blah blah, you know, get get him to the king or whatever," right? Um, so, you know, again, I'm, you know, the aliens were kind of cold towards Kana, but you know, I feel like it makes sense <laughs> because you know they don't really have anything against Kana, but you know, they are sad, right? Because Riria is like their whole thing. It's like, damn got Riria, you know, in their mind they're like, man, if we could have saved Riria instead of you, awesome, but at the end of the day, Riria wouldn't be back here, like, not up there in the canopy if it wasn't for me, so it's like, they're not really mad at Kana, I don't think, they're more just mad at the situation, I guess, and they don't really understand Kana, you know, even then when they meet the king, and he, like, gives them a present of bugs, they're just like, ew, gross, but it's like, you know, again, you know, I really hope that they're able to come to some sort of under some sort of understanding. Um, we do have a little bit here too, where like the the one girl I think is helping Kana escape. I didn't, I don't know if I read that right, but um, they're trying to help Kana escape. Like, I think like leave and like maybe go to save Riria himself. Maybe I think that's crazy, but uh, you know, because I was more so hoping for like Kana and the king to like come to an understanding and like, hey. Here's life at the canopy. You know? Here's what's going on. Here's our journey. Here's what we're doing. All that stuff. Uh, but maybe we won't get that. I don't know. I don't know. So again, you know, I feel like this episode is more like build up. More like, okay, this happened. That happened. How does this affect next episode? And I think that's really what it is. Where it's like, okay, we're going to see more Riria, I think. You know, I, I still think we'll see more of the king in them. Because I want to you know, see more of their like thought process behind this whole thing. And, um, you know, their, their plans, you know, cause we are kind of, we're kind of in the middle of a war, it seems like, at least a, 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 one that's brewing. Um, and Kane is here now, you know, like Kane is not coming back. Um, so yeah. Next we have Inspector season two, episode four. Um, I have almost nothing to say about this episode. <laughs> Don't think it was a bad episode. Um, just a lot of talking, you know, a lot of talking, and like, listen, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of story, but like, the whole episode, you know, I'll say, I don't really like this episode, I don't really like it a whole lot, it does not damper the whole show for me, but I was just like, the whole episode was just Kotoko talking, and being like, just breaking everything down, basically, like, so many minutes were spent <laughs> to come to the conclusion of, oh, Izuka tried to frame uh, Muroi for his ex's murder, right? And it's just like, the whole episode is that. Just like, oh, she did it because of this and that, and because, oh, because she liked him, and she, you know, Muroi used to rely on her, but now he's leaving, and I want him, and oh, the ex, I'm gonna kill her, and then I'm gonna get back at him for, to, 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 to frame him, and like, we spent 20 minutes just getting to there, where it's like, Yep, Izuka framed him. Attempted to, anyway. Um, and also, we can't really do anything now. We're just going to let the evidence play out. And now, uh, Muroi and uh, Yukiana, I think is the, the yokai's name. They're flying away. 
And oh, you know who else is flying away? Kotoko and Kuro. Kuro was there the whole time. Uh, didn't show himself because it would have scared her. Scared the, the yokai away. And now they're flying away. Giving a little bit of exposition to what they're doing. Really nothing, that is. And that's the episode. <laughs> you know, again, there's more nuance to it. You know, I could have written down more of the points and everything, but I don't think it was that important. You know, I think it was just like, you know, because like for me, I don't know. I kind of liked more of like, more of the investigating of season one and more of the kind of like on site that season one had. And this one was like, okay, it's, it's, it, it's kind of a neat story, you know, a neat case. But then it ends with Kodoko just being like, spending a whole episode just explaining what happened it's like oh we didn't like yeah you're smart you're got us a wisdom or whatever like it makes sense that you can kind of think this stuff out but i don't know i like the kind of scooby-doo-ness of the first season where it was like oh we're gonna go there and we're gonna we're gonna look up records and we're gonna you know what i mean like actually trying to solve something rather than just like and here is the answer <laughs> it's like oh okay cool cool i guess so yeah so again didn't really love the episode. Um, I'm hoping it gets better. You know, I'm hoping we get a little more hands-on with the future, uh, you know, yokai spirit cases. But we'll see. And we got Tokyo Revengers. Ended off with Tokyo Revengers Season 2, Episode 4. Um, yeah, we're, like I said, we are definitely getting in the thick of it now. Um, we kind of understand kind of the overarching uh order of events that are probably take place um we now know why it's the whole like christmas battle or whatever because it's season two but it's like christmas showdown <laughs> you know which is funny because when i first saw the title i was like oh this is like a movie because like i don't know you like naming a season you know usually seasons in anime don't get names um you know for the most part we just say season two and some of them get you know like um demon slayer will get oh this is the train arc oh this is the this is the city district arc or whatever um but that's very rare you know you know usually it's just season two <laughs> you know what i mean um yeah anyway um so yeah uh so we have uh hakai join the black dragon the black dragon released yuzuha that was the trade right like he doesn't really want to join black dragon but you know and then and there's a the whole thing where it's like Hakai is not joining the Black Dragon because he's scared of you. He's joining the Black Dragon to release, to save Yuzuha. That's kind of the angle that they were trying to, you know, kind of kind of mess with Taiju. Um, we get a little more Taiju's backstory, which is awful. He's pretty much always been like this, you know, roughing up his siblings, um, you know, just being in charge all the time. And, you know, they are definitely afraid of him because he is bigger and stronger and more just like assertive than they are. Um, so again, I mean, I really can't wait to see Taiju die. <laughs> I hate this man. Um, and Hakai vows to, to kill Taiju. He's going to kill himself. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's Hakai's character. Um, then we see that, oh, I spelled this wrong. Kuzuha? Why, why did I write Kuzuha and then it's Yuzuha? Is her name Kuzuha or Yuzuha? <laughs> the sister. Uh, there's some inkling that maybe she might know something, you know, you know, cause they were talking and it was like, man, it was, th this deal was way too easy to make. Like, Taiju agreed to this way too quickly. Like, does she know something? Is she in on it or something, right? So there's a little bit of a mystery there too. Again, you know, I really like, 
Tokyo Revengers for that reason, where it, you know, it isn't just, it's not as straightforward as Takemichi going back in time and trying to, you know, reach a goal, right? Like, there is mystery to it. Like, there is investigating, there is asking around, there is, like, infiltration and whatever that has to be done. So, it's, it's cool. Um, Hanma and Kisaki want to work with Takemichi and Mitsuya. Um, yeah, so they... We are very wary of them because we know some stuff that happens in the future. Um, we also know some stuff that they've already done. Um, so we're like, you know, while we work with you, you know, you're not exactly, you know, we don't think our views really align with what we want, you know, Toman to be um, or like how we want to get there. But, you know, they make a good point where it's like, hey, you know, we're trying to look out for our brothers. You know, we're looking out for all of Toman. You know, that is that has always been our, uh, you know, purpose, basically. That's, you know, that's. Everything we do, that's why we do it. Um, you know, so we want to work together. We're going to do this. And so basically, you know, they're saying that they have um, they have someone who's like a double agent in Black Dragon, I think. Something like that. Um, you know, they talk about how Mikey is weak right now. And so they need something like this to reinforce Toman ourselves. Like we're kind of, you know, that's kind of why they want to take this into their own hands. It says they're like, you know, we, we don't think Toman, or T Toman, we don't think Mikey is going to approve something like this, we're just going to do it, um, you know, and again, you know, we do kind of see that, right, because that's kind of the backstory that, um, you know, that Takamichi is given, kind of how this all plays out, is that Mikey does kind of lose his way a little bit, he does eventually, I think, join the Black Dragon, right, something like that, and so it's like, we, you know, we know where he's at, which is so tough, because it's like, ah. Oh, Mikey was so cool in the first season, and now it just feels like he's he's waning, right? You know, he's kind of losing what he originally wanted Toman to be when when he created it. Um, let's see. Um, and so basically, their goal is to stop Hakai from killing Taiju. They need to kill Taiju, you know, because I guess like if Hakai does it, it's not going to work out, you know. Um, you know, it's not going to send the right message. Um, and then also again with like Takemichi with the future, no, with the future knowledge, that is what happens. Like the you know you know the, the the future that he doesn't want, as it stands, is one where Hakai kills Taiju and like Hakai becomes the leader of the Black Dragon, and then you know bad stuff happens from there. So that's the goal: stop Hakai from killing Taiju, kill Taiju themselves, and there's going to be a huge Christmas showdown. <laughs> they said the name of the thing in the thing be a christmas showdown so yeah can't wait to see that right uh, i wonder when that'll be if that's like building up if it's like all oh, it's going to be like 10 episodes from now uh because i mean this season is the season 24 because i think the first one was 24 is this one going to be another 24 because if so it, it's not going to take you know it's not going to take 20 episodes to build this maybe it will you know you know maybe this is like far out and there's a lot of other little stuff that's going to be done before then but um, you know, we'll see, we'll see, um, and yeah, that is it, that is the show for today, um, again, a lot of good stuff, you know, I think there are quite a few episodes this week that were more set up than actual stuff, which is fine, because that just means that maybe next episode, the episode after, it's gonna be crazy, um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say, good stuff, you know, you know, let me know which episodes you're you're rocking with. Let me know which shows your favorite. Because, like I said, my top three this season. You know, 
not counting the continuing stuff. So I'm not counting uh, my hero, blue lock, or eminence and shadow. Um, so out of taking those away, my top three are definitely uh, Kubo, Won't Be Invisible, Buddy Daddies, and Vinland Saga Season 2. So let me know what your guys' like top threes are, especially since we're like four or five weeks in. You know, I feel like that's like good, like concrete evidence as to like what all the shows are and how you feel about them. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it, I guess. Um, until next time, watch more anime. <laughs>